the worship of the Lord Jesus this morning. The Bible says that he inhabits the praises of his people. I believe that to be true. I feel the presence of God the Holy Spirit in this place this morning. What a blessing that truly is. See, they lead us into his presence, and we worship him because he's worthy. Can you say amen to that? So I want to thank them for leading us this morning. I want to thank you uh, for bringing honor and glory to the Lord Jesus Christ through your worship today. What a blessing it is to be with you. Turn your Bibles, please, to Matthew chapter number 14. Matthew chapter 14, and I'm going to read to you verses 22 through 33. The title of my message today is A Strange Sight on the Sea of Galilee. Now look with me, Matthew 14, verse number 22. The Bible says this, And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side, while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, watch this now, he was there alone. Then the Bible says, verse 24, but the ship was now in the midst of the sea. Everyone this morning say in the midst of the sea. Now watch this. I love this part. Tossed with waves for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the water. On the sea. Verse 26. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is the Spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. And Peter answered and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come to thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Verse 31. And immediately G, or excuse me, verse 30. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and called it. And said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? When they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased, and they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, Thou art the Son of God. If you believe this morning Jesus to be the Son of God and God the Son, say amen. amen. Let us pray. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for meeting with us this morning. Lord, we realize and understand without your presence and power, nothing good can happen in these services. Lord, we're asking this morning, Holy Spirit, for you to speak to hearts and change lives, to do what only you are capable of doing. Father, I'm praying today that we leave here different than when we came. That, Father, you change us to be more like yourself. Whatever uh, we need this morning, we know that you are ready, willing, and able to give. There may be some here, Lord, who don't know you, who needs to be saved. So I'm asking now that, Holy Spirit, you begin speaking to that heart, showing them their great need for a Savior. Lord, there may be those here this morning who've been born again but are going through storms. Father, things that they can't fix. And I'm asking you now to comfort that heart, comfort their mind, Lord, and today... Give them truth from your word that we can all take and apply unto our lives. Lord, we're asking that you have your way, that you have your will. Lord, I can do absolutely nothing without you. So I'm asking you to move me out of the way, to speak to me, to speak through me, to fill me up and pour me out into the lives of these people. Lord, would you be with me in this presentation as you've been with me in my preparation. And Lord, for all these things that I know you can do, we're going to give you praise, honor, and glory. 
In Jesus' mighty name we do pray. Amen. This morning it is my privilege to preach to you my favorite um, account of any miracle that Jesus done on the pages of Scripture. Not only is it my favorite miracle, but it also contains my favorite Bible character. I love uh, Peter. Peter is my favorite Bible character in all the Word of God. And I'll tell you why. For several reasons. Peter gives me hope. Can you save into that? Listen, Peter was just a regular, ordinary, blue-collar, working-class guy that loved Jesus with all his heart. And Jesus did a work in the life of Peter that only he could do. Now, I, I, I can relate to Peter, folks. I, I, I'm just a regular, normal, everyday guy. How about you? I mean, it don't get any more normal than who I am. It don't get any more base than who I am. And I think that's the kind of guy Peter was. But how many of you know, with, with uh, the people of God, it's not about what we can do, but what God can do through us. It's not about who we are, but about who He is. Can you say amen to that? Do you know this morning that God always takes somebody and does something greater with them? God is notorious for using regular, ordinary, everyday people just like Peter. If God can do a work in the life of Peter, how many know God can do a work in my life? God can do a work in your life. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul said it in the book of 1 Corinthians. He said that God uses the base things of this world to confound the wise. God takes regular, ordinary people and does extraordinary things in their life by His power. And that's what we see right here in Matthew chapter number 14. I can praise God. I will tell you, if He can do it for Peter, He can do it for us. Amen. I believe that. You ought to believe that. Listen, folks, these words that we read this morning, these are not just words on a page, but this is truth that we should and we can apply unto our lives. He did a work in these first disciples' lives there on the Sea of Galilee, and this morning I believe he wants to do a work in the lives of those right here at Mount Zion Baptist Church. Now, I may not be alone. How many? Who else likes this story this morning? Anybody else? Raise your hand. My favorite miracle. Yeah, we're in good company. So let's look what the Bible says about this strange sight on the Sea of Galilee. The first thing that I want you to notice is the commandment of the Lord Jesus. Look with me in verse number 22. And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples. Does everybody see that word constrained? That's a very interesting word. When the Bible says that Jesus constrained his disciples, listen, what it really means is Jesus commanded his disciples. The word constrain is not uh, that Jesus is asking his disciples to do something. It's that Jesus is telling his disciples to do something. Uh, the word actually means to be directed, and that's exactly what he's doing. How many of you know Jesus is their Lord? He is their master. And being their Lord and their master, He has every right to command them to do what He chooses. Now, if you're here this morning and you've been born again by faith in Jesus, you now have a master. Can you say amen? You've been bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus. Your life is no longer your own. And today, we ought to view Jesus just like these disciples viewed Jesus as their Lord, as their master. Jesus gave them a commandment, and they did it. Now, folks, I think the first thing that we've got to get a hold of today as believers, as the body of Christ, as disciples, followers of Jesus, we've got to know the difference between commandments and suggestions. 
Because how many of you know, the Bible gives us a whole lot of commandments. Jesus gave us, through his word, a whole lot of commandments. And they're not suggestions. I want to give you a few differences between commandments and suggestions. First of all, suggestions, that's what we do when we feel like it. Commandments are what we do whether we feel like it or not. Amen? Uh, Folks, I want you to know something. There's going to be times in your life because you're still in this flesh and you still have a sinful nature that you're not going to feel like doing what God's told you to do. You're not always going to feel like praying. You're not, Brother Scotty spoke about that this morning and uh, he's right. There's times, man, I pray and I pray and I pray and I pray and it seems like my prayers are not being heard or answered. We feel like that from time to time. But you've got to remember, your feelings will fool you. Your feelings are very fickle. I'm telling you, my feelings can be compromised by traffic. How about you? I mean, I can come in here to the house of God and we can get together as the people of God and the presence of God and we can get in the word of God and God just moves and blesses and works and I can leave here just on cloud nine. My heart just full of what God has done. And I'm going to tell you something. I can pull out on the road right out here in front of the church and a quarter mile down the road somebody cut me off in traffic and my feelings change just like that. That's how fickle your feelings are. They change like the wind. So we must learn to stop trusting in what we feel and just do what we know to be true. Well, what do we know to be true? God's precious word. If God commands you to do something in his word, whether you feel like it or not, he's not suggesting or asking you to do it. He's telling you to do it. And if we're going to honor him as our Lord and master, we need to do what he says. The apostle Paul dealt with that several times throughout his writing. Uh, one of my favorite, you can write this scripture down, go back and look at it later. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse number 27, Paul said it like this. He said, I bring my body or the flesh under subjection. What does he mean by that? What he's saying is there's times my flesh don't feel like doing what I know I should be doing, what God has told me to do. But in those times, I die to the flesh and I walk in the Spirit. I don't allow my flesh, my sinful nature to tell me what to do. I tell it what to do. How many of you know you can be pleasing unto God by God's power if you choose to die to the flesh and walk in the Spirit? That's what Paul's talking about. So we don't always feel like doing what God says. We must remember when He commands us, we do it whether we feel like it or not. Suggestions are what we do when we have time to do them. Commandments are what we make time for. (laughs) Amen? Now, folks, I'm, I'm concerned that a lot of people view their Christian life, their walk with the Lord as a hobby. I mean, if I've got time to do it, then I'll be faithful to the things of God. If I've got time to pray and study daily, then then I'll do that. But if I can't make time, then I'll just squeeze it in when I can or I won't do it at all. If I've got time to be at church and it don't interfere with any of the other things that I really want to do, then I'll come on to church. But if I ain't got time, I ain't going to do it. Let Let me share something with you. When we view what God says in His precious Word as commandments, listen, His commandments take priority over all other things. It must. It has to. 
if we're truly going to be pleasing unto the Lord. Now, is any of us perfect at that? Absolutely not. Listen, I've come to find out a long time ago, there's growing room in the pew and there's growing room in the pulpit. All of us have room for growth in our Christian walk, but we need to be growing. We need to be making decisions and choices according to truth that helps us to become more like Jesus. We can't just stay where we are and say, by God's grace, He keeps me. Yes, by God's grace, He does keep you. But we are to perfectly purpose daily to be what God wants us to be. We have to. Suggestions and commandments are two completely different things. Here, Jesus commanded His disciples to get into the boat, and that's what they did. And He said, Brother Israel, He commanded them there, but what does that have to do with us? Well, listen to me, folks. He may not be commanded us to get into a boat, but He has commanded us to do several other things. Let me give you three of them very quickly. Write these verses down. First of all, Jesus has commanded us to love others as He has loved us. John 13, 34. He says, this is a new commandment I give unto you, that you show love unto others as I have loved you. Then He says in John 13, 35, one of my favorite verses, a verse that we all need to memorize and, and think about, meditate upon. He said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. Isn't that good? That means love is really what separates the children of God from those who are not the children of God. He said, if people's going to know you're the real thing when you show the love of Jesus. That's a commandment that we are to love others. Let me ask you this. Is it always easy to love others? Absolutely not. I'm going to tell you something. I love my wife more than any other human being upon the face of the earth. After Jesus, she comes next. I'm telling you, above my kids, above mom and daddy, above anybody else. And I love mom and daddy, and I love my brother, I love my immediate family, but I'm telling you, my wife is first after the Lord Jesus. But you, would you believe in my, I know it ain't like this in your household, but would you believe in my household sometimes it's hard for me to love her like I need to? And um, I know this, you'll find this hard to believe, but I'm sure if you ask her this morning, she may find it hard to love me like she needs to from time to time. Absolutely. Folks, we're going to have the likes and dislikes that differ from one another. We're different people with different personalities. But as the people of God, we are called, we are commanded to love one another. To look past the things that sometimes... Don't make a hill of beans and just love people like Jesus loves people, like He has loved us. If you believe what God's Word says, say amen. amen. We're commanded to love. We're commanded to show the love of God. Jesus said in the book of Matthew chapter number 7 and verse number 12, He said that we are to treat others like we want to be treated. Now, folks, let me, let me say this. We can say we love but what really matters is how we show it. Do you know if you want to be respected, you ought to show people respect? I don't care if they look different than you look, they act different than you act. I don't care if they believe differently than you believe. If you show respect, you can receive respect. Treat others like you would like to be treated. 
I heard a pastor just the other day, it really spoke to my heart. He said, a lot of times we think we're being persecuted by a lost and dying world uh, because they don't like us. He said, a lot of times they don't like us just because we've got a, a personality that stinks. A lot of times we've got that the, uh, the attitude that we're somehow sitting up on a spiritual high horse looking down on somebody else. When the truth is, except by the grace of God, we are just like the drug addict down the street. Except by the grace of God, we are just like those that are walking and living in a lost and dying world today. Except by the grace of God, there go I. So folks, treat others, I don't care who they are, like you'd like to be treated. I'm telling you, you love the drug addict. Can you say amen? You show them respect. I'm telling you, you love the homosexual. You show them respect. Let me tell you something. Listen to me now. We don't condone sin. We stand for truth. But we are to love the sinner. Jesus died for the sinner. And so we're going to love them. And the same grace of God that did change me can change them. We must remember that. We treat others as we want to be treated. And Jesus, then Jesus commanded us something else in Matthew 22 and verse 37. He said that we're to love God above everything else. The, the Pharisees came to him and they said, what, are the, what is the greatest commandment? He said, if you want to sum up all the commandments, you sum them up like this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's a commandment. He says, love God above everything else. Folks. We need to make decisions in our life that show we love Jesus. Amen? That's where you get down to where the rubber meets the road. I'm talking about just being a good man. How many of you know, um, it, it goes down to very practical things. It, it can be just as small as, as speaking to people at your workplace. I done, I done something just the other day. I, I thought, I, I'm going to speak to everybody I see today, tell them good morning, and see how many people speak back. And so on my way to work, I, would stop, I got stopped at the red light. And as I was sitting at that God-forsaken red light at the courthouse in Hamilton, I sat there for about 15 minutes, it seemed like. And so as people would pull up, I, I, and, and they were turning left there, as they would pull up, I'd speak to them. I'd roll down my window and say, good morning, how are you? Now, out of the about 12 people I spoke to that morning on my way to work, whether it be at the gas station or at the red light or when I got to work, how many of you know there were only three of them that said good morning back? It's amazing. I mean, you'd smile and speak to somebody and they looked at you like you was an alien from a different planet. You ever notice that? Hey, be the one who goes out of your way just to speak to people. That can open a door so that you can gain friendship with that person. And as God continually works in that and moves in that, you may get a chance to share the gospel with them. But open that door. Take that first step. Hey, there may be somebody at your workplace that nobody wants anything to do with. You have something to do with them. You go out of your way to say, hey man, I just want to tell you good morning. How are things going? You'll never believe what that means to some people because you don't know what kind of home life they left from. You don't know what they went through the night before. Man, love people. Some of you here this morning work in our school system, your teachers. 
My mother's a bus driver. My wife was a teacher for about eight years. And I can't tell you the, y'all know, you know the horror stories that you hear on a day-to-day basis at the schools. I, I can remember my wife coming in and telling some of the same horror stories that these children live in. And, and my mama, the, the same thing. And, and I can never forget what my mama always says. She said, you never know. I may be the only smiling face they see all day long. That's good stuff. Practically find ways to love people. We show our love for God by loving others. Jesus said, love God with all, the heart, all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. These are commandments, not suggestions. The commandment of Jesus, we need to see that. But let me share with you something else. I also want you to see the crisis of the disciples. In Matthew 14, verse number 23, the Bible says when Jesus had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray, and when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, watch this now, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. So here you have these disciples in the middle of a storm on the Sea of Galilee. Three things I want you to notice about this crisis. First of all, let me ask you this. How do you know you're in a crisis in your life? Well, you know you're in a crisis when you can't fix your situation. You can't fix your problem in your own power. How many have ever been there? You get some bad news at the doctor's office and you can't fix the situation. You can't fix the problem. You know you're in a crisis. Listen, you get some bad news in your marital relationship. A husband comes home and says, I don't love you anymore. A wife comes home and says, I don't love you anymore. You can't fix that problem. You're in a crisis situation. Hey, there's several different things. Uh, Your boss comes in and hands you a pink slip and says, today's your last day. You're in a crisis situation. You get what I'm saying? I'm talking about real, everyday stuff that all of us go through. And the health and wealth, name it and claim it, blab it and grab it, crowd, they're always going to tell you, you know what, as long as you have enough faith and you trust in Jesus, nothing bad's ever going to happen to you. Let me share something. I would love to tell you that this morning. I'd love to preach that stuff to you. That sounds real good to you, fleshly ears. But I want you to know, if I said that, I'd be lying. Because the truth is, as the children of God, All of us still go through storms. I don't care who you are. You hear me? Jesus said that's exactly what you are going to do. John 16, 33, in this world, Jesus said, you shall have tribulation. Not you might, not you could, not maybe. He said, in this world, you shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Wow. So as far as your Christian walk goes, as far as your relationship to God goes, God never promised that you wouldn't enter into a crisis in your life. You would never go through storms. He never promised that. But let me tell you what He did promise. He promised even in the midst of the storm, He'd be there with you. He'd go through the storm with you. Can you say amen? Billy Graham said it like this. He said the Christian existence is not about the absence of problems in your life. It's about the addition of God's power to help you overcome whatever problem you might face. We all find ourselves in a crisis from time to time. Three things I want you to see about the crisis of the disciples. 
that speak to our lives as well. First of all, let's notice the distance from the shore. In verse number 24, the Bible says they were now in the midst of the sea. They were in the middle of the sea, in the middle of the storm. Now, if they're in the middle of the sea, that means they're just as far from one shore as they are the other. Amen? And and they're, they're right in the middle of this great storm where the wind is contrary. So they would be just as well to go on to the other side as they would to turn around and go back. Now, what does that mean for me and you? Well, listen, folks. When you find yourself in the middle of a storm, don't turn around and go back to where you once were, what you used to be, how you used to live, what you used to do. Listen, just keep going forward to Jesus. I'll promise you this. If you will keep looking to the author and the finisher of your faith, he'll bring you on through. I can say that because he's done the same thing in my life. Hey, listen, keep pressing toward the mark of the high calling of God. Don't turn back to where you used to be. That's what the enemy wants you to do. He'll say things like this. No sense in you praying. Your prayers ain't being answered. He ever whisper those things into your mind? Why don't you just quit church? Ain't doing no good anyway. Why don't you quit teaching your Sunday school class? Nobody's listening anyhow. He'll throw these darts of doubt into your mind. And if you're not careful, you'll start believing that. Let me share this with you. In the midst of your storm, you just keep looking unto Jesus. You're just as close to the other shore as you were the one you came from. Don't turn and go back. You keep moving forward. Don't you quit on the Lord. He hadn't quit on you. Amen? The distance from the shore, we got to see that. But I also want you to see the direction of the wind. In verse number 24, the Bible says the wind was contrary to them. I can just see the disciples there on the sea, can't you? They've got an oar in their hand. They're rowing with all their might, doing everything they can do to get to the other side. Because let me share this with you folks. I want you to know that was the will of God for them. See, the will of God was what Jesus told them to do, what he commanded them to do. He said, I want you to get into a boat and go over under the other side. And they're working as hard as they can all night long, rowing that boat, trying to get to the other side, fulfilling God's will and purpose for their life at that time. And it seemed like the harder they rowed, the harder the wind blew. Has the waves and the winds of life ever been contrary to you? I mean, you're trying to live for the Lord. You're trying to do what God's called you to do. You're trying to be what God's called you to be. You're trying to fulfill your purpose with everything you can do. And it seems like no matter how hard you try, something's always blowing against you. Praise God, I have too. All of us have. If you hadn't been there yet, you will be there. If you've been there before, you'll probably be there again. We live in a fallen creation. We go through storms not because God doesn't love us. God's on record for how much he loves us. We live in a fallen creation. And because of that, storms, we will enter times of crisis that we can't fix. Are you getting a hold of that? The direction of the wind, 
the distance from the shore and the darkness of the night. We've got to see that. The Bible says it was in the fourth watch of the night, and I've done some study on that. And uh, in the fourth watch of the night means that was the darkest part of the night. Maybe they couldn't see their hand in front of their face. They didn't know which direction they were going, how they were going to get through the storm. They were scared to death. Dr. Adrian Rogers, he said this about the storms that we sometimes face in our lives. He said that sometimes we don't know what's what, who's who, or where's where. It seems like we've been turned upside down, and we don't know what to do next. It happens to all of us. We go through dark times just like these disciples, they were in a crisis situation. But now, we want to see the commandment of Jesus, the crisis of the disciples that we all sometimes face. And, and, and let me say that crisis that we sometimes find ourselves in happen for two different reasons. Sometimes it's for the correction of the believer. You'll find that with old Jonah. Y'all remember Jonah, don't you? Jonah the Bible said, was commanded of the Lord to go and preach into Nineveh. Jonah decided his way was the best way. He was disobedient to what God said. And he got into a ship and went the completely opposite direction of, of Nineveh. He went toward Tarsus. And the Bible teaches that God sent out a great wind after Jonah. Jonah 1.4. Go back and read that. Now in the Hebrew, really what that means is God hurled a storm Jonah's way. One Bible commentator put it like this. He, says that, he said that God pitched a fastball with a storm right at Jonah. <laughs> and that's exactly what happened. Now, in the, in, in, because of that storm, Jonah received the correction of the Lord and put him back on the right path. Now then, if God can and did do that for Jonah, will he not do it for us as well? When you choose to be disobedient, when you, when you just half-heartedly serve the Lord, when you just get by with Jesus, when you start taking his commandments as suggestions and just do it when you feel like it, guess what God will do? He will send storms of correction into your life. Let me tell you why. Because he loves you. You say, Brother Israel, you mean God sent that storm to Jonah because he loved him? Absolutely. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter 12 that whom the Lord loves, he chastens. See, some of you may be going through storms in your life and you're going through them because of your disobedience to the Lord. And if you'd get right with Jesus, maybe, just maybe, your storm would clear up. It may be a storm of correction. See, what you need to do is just start serving Jesus with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Start loving him with everything you got. Start adoring him, sister. Isn't that right? Maybe that's what you need to do. Quit worrying about everything else and keep your eyes on Him. I've come to find out the more I keep my eyes on Jesus, the things of this world go strangely dim. Isn't that right? Storms of correction, but there's also storms of direction. That's what happened here. Jesus was directing His disciples to truth about Himself. Do you ever wonder why Jesus commanded them to get into the water in a boat? Folks, let me say this. If Jesus can calm the waves, 
He's not going to be tricked by the waves. What do I mean by that? He knew the storm was coming before he ever told him to get in the boat. He was omniscient. He knew what was going to happen, yet he told him to get in the boat. Why? So that he could come in the fourth watch of the night walking on the water. Why? So that they could see he had power over all things. Why? So that they could know he's the Son of God. He's directing them to truth. He walked on this body of water for a purpose, to show them who he was, who he is. He didn't walk on every body of water he came across. But on this one he did to prove a point to direct them to truth. There are storms of correction. There are storms of direction. We want to see the commandment of Jesus. We want to see the crisis of the disciples. But we also have to see the calming of the storm. Look what happens and we're done. Verse number 27. And when the, or 26, excuse me. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is the Spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. Now I want everybody to look down at your Bibles or up on the screen, whatever the case may be. And I want you to notice right in the middle of that verse, three little words. Three little words that have a fantastic meaning, if you can get a hold of it. Jesus said, It is I. And let me tell you what he's saying in the Greek, what the original Greek translation is. What actually Jesus said there is, be of good cheer, I am. Now some of you heard it and some of you didn't, so I'm going to give you another chance. If there's ever been a time where you need to say amen, it's right there, so I'm going to give you another chance at it. Jesus said, be of good cheer, I am. Now what's the purpose of that? All throughout the word of God, Yahweh has given a name to his people. At the burning bush, <laughs> when Moses was called by God to deliver the children of Israel out of Egypt, and Moses said, Lord, when I tell Pharaoh that you want, to let the, that you want him to let the people, who am I going to say sent me? He said, you tell him the great I am sent you. So what is Jesus saying unto his disciples? Because they would have known full well what he was talking about. These were good Hebrew boys who had been taught uh, the scripture since they were this high. And so when Jesus said, be of good cheer, I am, that would, have, that would have said something to them. They thought, you know what? He's saying he's the same God that was with Moses. He's saying that he is God incarnate in the flesh. He's saying that he's the creator of the universe. He's saying that he is able to do what needs to be done in the midst of this storm. Folks, he is still the I am. This is a declaration of his deity. I've read liberal theologians and I've heard them speak and they talk about Jesus never claimed to be God. Let me tell you something. Anybody who ever says that is either ignorant of scripture or like Dr. Johnny May says, they're intellectual liars. They know the truth, but they refuse to receive the truth by faith. I'm telling you, Jesus is saying unto them and he's saying unto us, I am is able. If he's able for them, isn't he able for you? You know what I found in my life? Sometimes Jesus calms the storm. How many can testify to that? If, you, if you've seen that happen in your life, say amen this morning. Amen. Yeah, sure. Sometimes Jesus calms the storm. 
But let me tell you what else I've found. Sometimes he calms the storm in me. I've seen that so many times. I've seen people go through horrendous things in their life, terrible storms where it seems like the wind is contrary and going against everything they're trying to do, and then walk through that time in their life with such grace and such peace. They have to get their power from the Lord. Are you getting me? Jesus still calms storms today. Amen. Everybody stand together. Brother, come on up. Down in verse number 32, the Bible says when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. Get the picture. Here you have the disciples a great distance from the shore. You have the wind that is contrary to them. It's in the darkest part of the night. Jesus comes walking out to where his people are. <laughs> Amen. Isn't that good? Aren't you thankful Jesus still comes and meets with his people in the darkest of times? Yeah. He comes and meets with them, gets in the boat with them, and the wind stops. The sea that was once crashing into their little boat and the wind that was blowing in the wrong direction for them Stop just like that. And it became just as tranquil, just as peaceful as a farm pond. Let me tell you why. Well, the Bible says it's because he got in the boat. When Jesus got in the boat, the wind ceased. And the disciples said, this is surely the Son of God. Maybe, just maybe, Jesus allowed them to get into this storm so that they might see he was who he claimed to be. Do you think that could be possible for us too? Could be. Could be. I've come to find in my life that in times of trouble, I've learned to trust God like never before. And he's been there for me when no one else was. When I could talk to nobody else about my circumstance or situation, I've always been able to talk to him. I told you, my, apart from Jesus, my wife is the great love of my life. She's my best friend, and I tell her almost everything. But there's even some things I can't talk to her about, some problems I can't even talk to her about. But whatever I face, I can bring to him. And you can too. You got questions? He's big enough for your questions. You got doubts? He's big enough for your doubts. There's hope for the honest doubter. Whatever you need, he's able. Some of you may just be here and just need to be saved. Well, today's the day. You're in a good place. This church can't save you, but it's a great place to get saved. If you'll trust in Christ today, the same one who saved me can and will save you. Whatever you need, this invitation time is for you. You want to come and talk to the Lord about your storm? By all means, these altars are open. You need to be saved? Come say, brother, I need to be saved. And I'll show you what that means in the Word of God. Whatever it is, don't you wait. You come today.